Welcome to the Oceans Church Podcast. We pray that as you join us for this message, you are blessed, encouraged and empowered to bring the kingdom of heaven into your spheres of life. Um, well, welcome. My name is Jaden. Uh, me along with Ash, who led worship today, we are the campus pastors here at Oceans Church. We love this church. This is our family. This is our tribe. Um, and uh, we hope that it's your tribe as well. Like there's many people who have been here for a while, but even if you're here for the first time, we hope that this becomes your tribe. We like to do life together. And so welcome, um, Jared, Jess, you're amazing. Um, our youth leaders are running an awesome youth ministry from nothing to something. Um, that's pretty cool. And, and there's a gift of leadership on your life. There's also a gift of uh, good shoes on your life. I need to get some notes. That's cool. Um, really cool. Welcome to anyone who's new, new here for the first time. It's great. Also see some familiar faces. It's good. It's good. Hey, we're going to get into this series, but can I tell you, God is doing something exciting in this church. We had, um, now I heard in Albany this morning, Shafe said, we have had 35 baptisms this year. How crazy is that? And then last week, last Sunday, we actually had our biggest Sunday ever across both campuses. And you know, they're, they're cool numbers, but then you, you think about all the different stories as well. And that's what's really incredible, the way that God is working through the lives of individuals, changing hearts, changing situations, causing breakthrough. And, uh, and this is an incredible church. God is doing something unique here. It's special. And let's, Flick brought an awesome word before the service. She said, let's value our church because it's special. And it is, it is really special. We know the value of something. We can, we can really appreciate it. Um, and so this is a cool place. And we're going to spend a whole four weeks looking at relationships within the church. A church is really just a series of relationships, all for the purpose of God, all for the purpose of drawing in closer to God. And um, we've called this series My Tribe uh, because we, we are... We are a bit of a, you know, we're a family, we're a tribe. We, this is our home. And our tribe means actually descended from a common ancestor. And uh, so if we're a tribe, our common ancestor is Jesus. And that's the thing we all have in common. And apart from that, we're pretty different. And we love to celebrate our differences, uh, which is great. Uh, but, you know, I really do believe that God wants to build a church full of people who are flourishing in life. And the key to flourishing in life is having strong and healthy relationships. Uh, when you have good relationships, it flows into your life. It flows into the rest of your life, into your work, into your family, into your friends, into what you do, and, and your life flourishes. And so we're having a series looking at all the different relationships in our church. Uh, next week, we've got Pastor Shafin, our senior pastors, Shafin, Jess. Um, so Jess is here. Let's welcome Jess, by the way. Whenever Jess comes up, she just flies under the radar. She doesn't tell us. She just arrives. So our senior pastor, Jess, they, they pastor our Albany campus, which is incredible. Um, but Pastor Shafe is coming up next week to talk about sonship and daughterhood in the kingdom of God, which is great. Uh, the week after that, we have a panel. So we're shaking things up a little bit. We've got a panel of people. We're going to talk about all things love, dating, sex, all those juicy topics. Um, in the last week, we have our very own Debbie Adams um, coming to share. So we're excited about that. I think that's the day after she returns from the North America, three days after. So we're going to get a, a Debbie that's full of the spirit and full of jet lag. Uh, and it's going to be great. She's going to be relying on God, and that's going to make it awesome. 
so this week I wanted to lay the foundation uh, of the series we're heading into. And the title of this message is My Tribe, My Relationships. My Tribe, My Relationships. We're looking at relationships and we're going to begin looking at the most intimate relationship we can have with another person and that is marriage. That's the most intimate other than God relationship we can have with another person. Hands up if you're engaged in this place, by the way, like half the church, incredible, awesome. We'll celebrate you another time, but that's cool. I also want to celebrate Pastor Shafe and Jess are having their 14th wedding anniversary this Tuesday on Halloween. I can't believe you guys got married on Halloween. <laughs> 14 years ago, true. Uh, it's cool. We, we celebrate you. Congratulations to you guys. And, and we're just so blessed to have senior pastors that know the value of a, of a marriage and, and, and so into it. So celebrating you guys. Let's give them one more clap. We inherit the fruit of, of, of their marriage. The strength of their marriage actually does affect our lives. And so um, that's, that's definitely worth celebrating. Hey, uh, marriage reveals. So this is why we're talking about marriage. Marriage reveals the nature of God's love for us. Um, Marriage reveals the nature of God's love for us. Jess, sorry, I forgot to pray. You can head off. I'm a little bit all over the place, but uh, but yeah. Marriage reveals the nature of God's love for us. God gave us marriage so that we would have a real living example of how much He loves the church. In Ephesians 5, 31 to 34, it says, uh, says this, A man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife. The two are united as one. So we call that marriage. That's marriage. And then it goes on to say this. This is a great mystery, but it is an illustration of the way Christ and the church are one. So there's a direct comparison between what a marriage looks like and what our relationship with God looks like. We are the church. We are Christ's bride. And and this demonstrates the depth of Christ's love for you and I. Uh, Christ fully sacrificed himself on a cross so that he can be reunited with you. He died in your place for the things you might have done wrong against him and, and, and between the relationship. He died to remove that barrier so that you could have a relationship with him. And that is an intimate kind of love. You know, you might only do that for one person in your life and that's probably going to be your spouse. Like that is a really like, do we know a love that intimate that I would lay down my life in order that someone else might have life? You know, um, it's as if you are his bride. And it's mushy. It's a bit mushy, but it's true. In fact, the truest form of love we can experience in the world is the love of God. In In our marriages, we're just trying to emulate God's love to the other person. Our, our responsibility is to take in the love of God and to try and replicate that to the other person. Now, that's a high standard. None of us are, are quite nailing it, but that's, that's the point. And, and we're never going to get there, but that's the, that's the idea. And the Bible is full of love messages to you. Do you know this? The Bible is full. It's like a handwritten note of love messages to you. Let me read a few. In uh, Zephaniah 3.17, He says, he will take delight in you with gladness. His love will calm your fears. He will rejoice over you with joyful songs. That's like a really, that's like a Taylor Swift song right there. (laughs) Jesus describes his reaction when we're reunited to him. This is Jesus' reaction when we come into relationship with God. He says, filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son. He runs to you and embraces you and kisses you. It's like another, like Taylor Swift. I don't know, like that's really 
intimate type of love. That's how God loves you. Hosea 11.8 says, how can I give you up? How can I let you go? That's, um, what's that guy? Rick, Rick Roll? Rick, Rick, what? Rick Astley, yeah, yeah. That sounds like that. I think he got his, got his cue from Hosea 11.8. How can I give you up? How can I let you go? My heart is torn within me and my compassion overflows. That is how God loves us. It's the truest, most purest form of love. And uh, these just aren't words because God is perfect. So when he says something, it means he backs it up with perfect action as well. So that is perfect love. God loves us perfectly. And he gave us marriage so that we would have a living, breathing example of what that love is. It's the closest thing we have to that same kind of love. The effort it requires is, is it's got to be intentional. The self-control and the sacrifice it requires. The exclusivity of marriage represents how we should have no other God but God. The, the commitment of marriage represents how our commitment to God is, is lifelong. And so there's all these parallels between our love for a spouse, marriage, and our love with God. And this, all of this means that the loudest gospel message we can preach in our life is how we love our spouse or, or how we go about our relationship. In fact, I'll put it like this. Our relationship status, no matter whether you're single, married, whatever you are, the loudest gospel message you can preach is, is your relationship. It's how you go about your relationships. If you're married, the most significant thing you can do is honor uh, to honor God is to emulate God's love for your spouse. The best way you can show your kids, your friends, your family, the love of God is to exemplify it in your marriage. And this isn't just for the married as well. In the same way, in your singleness, you, that can be your loudest gospel message as well. You might not want to hear this, but it's true. Your singleness can demonstrate the fullness and sufficiency of Christ through your celibacy, through your sacrifice. You know, not giving your body away, not, not buying into hookup culture, but instead finding your wholeness in Christ. That's a loud gospel message. That preaches better than a lot of preachers. It's, counter, it's a countercultural way of living. And when the world is looking for wholeness in relationships, in flings, in hookups, we can say that we've got the answers because we found our wholeness in Jesus. That's the gospel message we can carry in our relationship. So our relationships are significant. You know, it's also the best foundation to build a healthy marriage upon. If you're single, to find your wholeness in God, not hoping in another person to complete us, not hoping that another person will cure our loneliness. Two whole people coming together. That's the best foundation for marriage. So what a great opportunity in all the seasons of our life, in any season that you're in right now, what a great opportunity we have to discover the full and complete love of God in our relationships. Whether you're married and you're putting into practice God's love and, and learning a whole new side of the way that God loves you, whether you're single and you're discovering a deeper way on how to rely on God above people, above, above relationships, whether you're engaged and you're learning the, the anticipation of love, the anticipation of what's to come, like in the same way that we anticipate Jesus. No matter what relationship you, you're in right now, single, dating, engaged, married, married with kids, post-married, building strong relationships and friendships is a key part of our relationship with God. So tonight, I want to do 
some relationship soul care. Is that cool? We'll do some relationship soul care that's going to apply to you in whatever season of relationship you're in, no matter what your status is, we're going to talk about it. Is that cool? Come on, let's do it. So three points. The first point is number one, to gain godly values. Gain godly values. Key to building godly relationships are godly values. Another way of saying it is you replicate what you celebrate. You replicate what you celebrate. When you celebrate the godly relationships in your life, you get uh, relationships that are full of good things and good fruit and life. You know, Proverbs 4.23 says this, Above all else, guard your heart, because for everything you do will flow from it. Guard your heart and what you allow into your heart, because everything you do will flow from it. You know, what you value, what you allow to to grow in your heart, it will begin to flow into the rest of your life. And, And that's so true for your relationships. What you value will begin to flow into the rest of your life. If you value God's way, you'll get God's results. It'll flow into God's results. If you value the, way, uh, the world's way for relationships, you'll get the world's results. It's true. The Bible also says that without divine vision, people cast off restraint. That's another way of saying, like, without clarity of what a good relationship looks like, without clarity of what something the God's way looks like, you cast off restraint in your relationships. So it's important that we get the right idea in the first place of what this is supposed to look like. Gain a godly understanding of love. So pay attention to what you celebrate because it will probably be a result of what you value. It will uh, reproduce in your life. The world values these types of relationship. It values the type of relationship that says it's my way or the highway. The impatience or immediate results or, or give me what I want now type of relationships. It values feeling, feelings-led relationships. Like I need to feel the love all the time. Otherwise, I need to go find someone else. It values pleasure-led relationships. It va- values don't hold me back relationships. It values don't change me. I am who I am relationships. And so if you value those things, you get those results. But God value relationships are let's move together type of relationships. They're communication and listening relationships. They're patient and steadfast relationships. They're commitment-based relationships, not feeling-led relationships. They're service and sacrifice-based relationships. They're humble and willing to change and grow relationships. They're affectionate and loving relationships, and they're forgiving and they're pure relationships. In fact, if you want to discover godly values for your life, the best place to start is to discover the way that God loves you. When you open up your Bible and you see, you know, you read the gospel, you read about Jesus, Jesus is God in a person. When you see the way he loves people, that's the way that we should love. That's that's the value that we should have to relationships. And so the first step is to get your values right. Get your heart right, for from it everything flows. Let's move on to point number two of soul care. Number two is to build self-control. Number one is to gain godly values. Number two is to build self-control. Is this exciting? Is this what you expected from a relationships talk? I always love relationships talks because they're they're a bit more fun. Um, And so I'm sorry if this isn't that sort of relationships talk. We'll get there. We've got four weeks. We'll get there. This is the, the grounding one. 
Build self-control. Self-control is what is required to produce the, the, the good fruit in your relationship, the fruit of your values, sorry. Self-control is what is required for the values to produce fruit in your relationships. It's like your values are a kite. You know, imagine a kite. You could have the best kite, most aerodynamically perfect. It's got the right amount of uh, lift and drag. It's perfectly designed, right? Just waiting for the wind to take it. And that is what our values are like. Our values are the kite. But without the string of self-control to attach it to, it's just going to lay flat on the ground. They could be the perfect wind, the perfect person comes into our life. We've got the perfect values, but without the string of self-control, that thing never gets off the ground. That's what self-control does to our values. It allows them to flow. So without the, without the rope of self-control to anchor you to the ground, the kite of good values will never fly. I wanted a really clear image. That's a clear image, hey? You could have the best, most God-centered values, best intentions, but without self-control, those things are unable to get off the ground. You might even be single and have someone come into your life and it just never produces a healthy relationship um, because you don't have that self-control. But when you have developed self-control in your life, you have a godly understanding of a relationship, then that relationship can sort of new heights. Your relationship no matter what relationship you're in, can sort of new heights when it is coupled with good values and godly self-control. So self-control is important. So let's talk about it. We, we know this intuitively, intuitively. If I want a good relationship with my body, I need the self-control to eat healthily, not eat a lot, and go to the gym. Right? Right? Like we know this. We know this. Like one plus one equals two. Right? If I want a good night of sleep. I need the self-control to go to bed at 9.45 so that I don't wake up tired. You know, that's, it takes self-control. 9.45, yeah, that's my bedtime. <laughs> now you know to message me at 9.44. <laughs> don't message me at 9.44. Yeah, it's true. And if I want a healthy relationship, I need all kinds of self-control over my thoughts, over my actions, over my reactions, over my emotions. That's what it takes to build a a healthy relationship. So self-control is essential for all forms of healthy relationships. And the great news about all of this, if you're feeling like that's overwhelming, the great news about all of this is that God wants to help you with it. It says in 2 Timothy 1.7, for the spirit, uh, for the spirit, for God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power, love, and self-control. God gives us a spirit of self-control. Self-control is fueled by the Holy Spirit. That means self-control is the opposite of being led by your feelings and desires. It actually means tuning out those things, laying them down before God, and seeking Him, seeking His power. You know, two weeks ago, we talked about we spoke about walking in step with the Holy Spirit. And we read Galatians 5, and it says something along the lines of there's these two opposing forces in our, inside of us, going on within, within inside of us right now. There's the Spirit who wants to produce good things and, and good intentions, the Spirit of God, and then there's our flesh that wants to lead us into sin. There's these two opposing forces. But it goes on to say that one of the ways we'll know we're being led by the Spirit 
is that it will build self-control into our lives. They call it the fruit of the Spirit. It will build self-control. If you want to know if you're being led by the Spirit, look at the, the, the measure of self-control. And so, you know, although there are these wrestles within us, our flesh wants to do something, the Holy Spirit wants to do others. It might even be good intentions, good values. You know, when we choose the Holy Spirit, when we pursue the Holy Spirit, we get the fruit of self-control. So God wants to help you with it. And if you need more self-control in your life, then it's, it's, it's just as simple as this. Pray for it, practice it, and bring in people. Pray for it, practice it, and bring in people. If you need to build that muscle, it's like going to the gym, building a muscle, starts day after day. Each time, just getting back up, pray for God's power, go out and practice it again. God's got enough grace for you. He's got enough grace for your mistakes. He actually knew about your mistakes before he paid for them. You know, like he knew about them. He knew it was going to happen. He knew the full price that he was paying for. It was on the bottom on the F-plus machine. He paid for it. He knew, he knew how many times you would need grace. So all we need to do is get back up, pray for self-control, and practice it practice it. Self-control is a muscle that God builds in you. It, it doesn't just happen in one day. Who goes to the gym and gets, you know, jacked after one day? No one, right? And if you do, you're probably on drugs. It, it takes practice. It takes practice. Practice means training. It means it doesn't just happen the first day. It means practice, get better, get better, get better. And so self-control is a muscle that God builds in us. You know, what does it look like in our lives? And I wanted some real examples of what this could look like. You know, maybe for you, you're thinking, I want, I really want to value humility in relationships. But whenever we chat through issues, uh, something within just wants my way. Something within just wants to dominate and, and, and wants to like have it as my outcome. I don't want to shift on where I am. But that, that's okay. Good job. If that's you, good job for recognizing it. That's great. That's Okay. Pray for the Holy Spirit to give you self-control and start practicing. In those chats, start practicing. Start trying. I want to value gentleness and patience with my spouse, but tiredness and stress and maybe a toddler gets the better of me and I have outbursts of anger and frustration. You know, that's okay. <laughs> Thanks, but Hey, that's okay. Hey, that's okay. You're on a journey. You're on a journey. It's a journey. It's a practice. I feel like this is hard not to speak to you. <laughs> That's okay. You're on a journey. But here's the thing. Apologize, pray for gentleness, pray for self-control, and practice it the next day. I want celibacy. I really want to value celibacy. I want it. But, but, you know, I've never been able to walk it out. I've never actually been able to put it to practice in my life. Hey, that's okay. God knows. He's happy you're on the journey. Talk about it with someone. Pray for self-control and begin practicing it. Begin practicing it. I really want to value only having eyes for my, my husband or my wife or, or Christ if I'm single. I want to have just eyes for God. But whenever I'm home alone or, or lonely or in emotional anguish, I can't help but go online and look at images. Hey, that's okay. Talk about it. Find some trusted people. Talk to your spouse. Talk to a counselor, maybe. Pray for it. Pray for self-control. Pray together. Practice it. Can I tell you, it's worth fighting for because this one will sink you. And, and, and just start the journey. It's a practice. 
Keep trying. Don't give up. It's great. Hey, I want to become whole in God in my singleness, but I'm lonely. I get lonely. Or other people are moving faster than I am. Or maybe you've developed an insecurity within because of how long it's taken. You know, it's okay. It's a journey. But it's time to declare out over your life that God has a plan for you. He's not forsaken you. you are, God is no man's debtor. So pray for the helmet of salvation to protect your identity. The helmet of salvation that protects your identity, your thoughts, and the self-control to cast out fear and doubt because the Spirit of God does not give us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-control. And then just begin practicing it. Find joy in the season that you're in. Can I tell you the season you're in is a gift. It's a gift that God's given you, no matter what season you're in. And we can waste our gifts away by wanting the next thing or another person's thing or a future thing. Hey, enjoy the season that you're in and trust God with the next. Enjoy where he's got you and trust God with the next. None of this is easy. And I'm so sorry that it's not easy. I wish it could be. I really wish it could be. I don't know why it's not easy. I don't know why we have to go through what we have to go through. But I do know that when you yield to God, the best always happens. When you trust God, he will work your situation for good somehow. Just keep bringing in people. Keep praying and keep practicing. Keep bringing in people, keep praying, and keep practicing, and you will find your spirit-fueled self-control that will be the fuel to your relationships. I just want to, like, in this heading, I just want to talk about loneliness as well, because I feel like sometimes we can think that a, a, a relationship or a marriage will, will solve our loneliness. But can I tell you that, that it probably won't? Like, it, it just probably... It won't, and the, the reason is, is because it takes a community. It takes a community. If you're feeling lonely, and maybe you've thought that, you know, I just need to find someone, hey, draw into community. Because it's a lot of pressure to put onto one person. That you're going to, you can be lonely in marriage. You really can be. You can be lonely in marriage. So draw into community. Build a couple of great friendships, really good friendships. You know, find a dinner party. Find a multiply. Make the most of the church community. We're a tribe. Come on. So spirit-filled self-control protects the health of our relationships and our hearts. So gain godly values, build self-control. And the last one is the team comes up, and this is a good one, just to clean up your messes. And then there were some, there's some spouses just nudging, like, clean up your mess. You know, we, we all call, <laughs> oh man. It's true, though, we all, cause relation, we all cause messes in relationships. You just stick with someone long enough, and you're probably going to cause a mess, right? We all cause messes in relationships, but the longevity of a relationship isn't determined by how long we can go without creating a mess. It's determined by how well we do at cleaning up messes that we make, cleaning up our messes. I'm not talking about cleaning the house, but again, it's helpful. It's helpful. It's good. But let's be real. It's unnatural to work through the mess in our relationship. It's unnatural. It doesn't feel right or comfortable. We're used to the sort of culture that like, if it's broke, I'll just go buy a new one. It's like, if it's, if it's broken down, it's too awkward. I just can't go back in. But, you know, when you're able to clean up your messes, you'll sometimes 
probably most of the time, find a better relationship than when you started. There's something about valuing the person enough to work through the mess, to work through, to, to, to actually say, hey, you're worth me being this vulnerable. You're worth me going through the effort. It, it brings a value to the relationship. So cleaning up your messes will become your superpower to your relationships, to your marriages, to, to your friendships, to your family. Clean up your mess. There's almost like this aspect of like, wow, like you're still with me? After everything I did, you're like, you still, you still want to hang out? You still want to be married? Like, that's awesome. And, uh, and it's, it's like as well, like, if that won't sing us, what will? You know, it adds a value to your relationship. It's the strength in our relationship. And that's, uh, that's God's heart for our relationships. In Matthew 5, 23 to 24, he says, So if you're presenting a sacrifice at the altar in the temple, so the temple was where God's presence was. So another way we could say this in 2023 was, if you want to come into my presence, if you want to come with, into my presence and you suddenly remember, that someone has something against you, leave your sacrifice. You know, leave your pursuit of my presence and go be reconciled to that person and come and offer your sacrifice and come into my presence then. It'll be easier for you to come into my presence once you're reconciled. Jesus is like, before you even enter my presence, make sure you're good with people because that, that's challenging, right? God would rather us be in good standing with the people we're around than pursue his presence sometimes. That's how much he values our good relationships. Here's another time that Jesus spoke on cleaning up messes in, in Matthew 18. Uh, Matthew 18, 15 to 16. He said, if another believer sins against you, go privately and point, it, point out the offense. If the other person listens and confesses, hey, you've won. You've won a friend. Like, congratulations. Ding, ding, ding. You won a friend. It's amazing. What, like, that's good. If, but if you're unsuccessful, take one or two others so you can go back again. Like, keep trying, keep trying, so that everything you say will be confirmed by two or three witnesses. You have wise counsel around you. You have some wisdom around you in the room to try and protect this relationship. Jesus is demonstrating there that we, we should fight for our relationships. We should fight for them. It's worth going through the mess with, with discretion and kindness, with discretion and kindness. And so here are three points to cleaning up messes. And this is really good. This is going to help you at some stage in your life if you can take this on board. No matter what relationship we're talking about, this will help you. If you've created a mess, these are three steps to get you out of it. The first one is to own it. Own it. Whenever you remove the blame from yourself, you remove your ability to fix it. Whenever you remove yourself from the problem, it's not your problem to fix, right? So we need to own our part. We need to own the mess we made. If, if, it's, if we have a part to play in it, don't focus on the part they played in it. Own, own your part. Own it. If you own it, that's a great first step. The next one is to be repentant. You know, uh, offense builds up walls in our relationships. Offense, like, cuts off people. It's like when we sin against God, it builds up a wall against God and and there's like this division, this, this weirdness. It's the same with offense. It's like there's this weirdness and there's this wall and I can't quite seem to get over it. Repentance and forgiveness tears walls down. A wall can't stand in a place that has forgiveness and, and repentance flowing all through it. If you have a relationship that's full of those two things, man, walls will come down. They can't be built in the first place. Be repentant. Be repentant. And the third one is to draw in. Now, this is because there's a good chance that the mistake was made in the absence of community. 
There's a good chance that the mistake was made in the absence of, of wise counsel and other godly people. So a solution for next time and to, and to work on this within yourself so you don't make a mess in the future is to draw in to community. Try a dinner party. Sign up to a multiply group. Multiply is intentional discipleship that we run. We start it every semester and it is intentional discipleship because you get a coach who coaches you, who's walked the journey, who's, who's done that season. And, uh, and they're able to walk you through the season that you're in. And they are that wise counsel. They are that person that just helps protect you from maybe making a mistake that you didn't see coming. And so draw into community. Because whenever you have a mess to clean up, involving these people in the recovery plan will help you to protect yourself from the future. So whenever we make a mess, we want to own it, be repentant, and draw in. Because our marriages and our relationships and our friendships are worth fighting for. Come on, keep fighting for them. Keep fighting for them. They require humility and openness and a whole lot of effort. They do. It's hard work, but it's worth it. And it's the only way that we'll, uh, it's the only way to regaining wholeness and the purity of heart. And it's the best shot that we have, the best shot that each of us have to long-lasting relationships, to, to restoring relationships, to reconciling to one another. Hey, let's, uh, let's stand to our feet right now as we, as we come into a close. Uh, my heart and, and you know, our heart together is that we will be a church of strong relationships. Come on, the quality of your relationships determines you know, the quality of your life how your relationships are doing. Like the, your good relationships are the key to flourishing in your life. And so we want a church full of flourishing people with flourishing relationships, lots of engagements and marriages and, and celebrating people that are, that are practicing and walking out celibacy. It's awesome. It's great. And so, you know, maybe just between you and God, you know, we're, we're just going to do some, do some ministry here. But like maybe it's time for you to gain godly values for your relationship. That really, that first point really stood out to you. Like, yep, I need God's way for my relationships. I want to view relationships the way that God does. If that's you, you know, begin to, to look into how Jesus loved people. Begin to pray that, God, would you give me your values? Would you highlight those things? Maybe for you, God wants, uh, maybe you know what God wants for your relationships, but it's time to pray for spirit-fueled self-control to help carry out your good intentions. It's one thing to have a good intention, to have a good idea, but to carry it out into your relationships requires the help of the Holy Spirit. You know, maybe you've got a mess or two or three that God has placed on your heart to clean up. And it's time to own it, to be repentant, and to draw into community. You know, maybe that's you. And, and, uh, and why don't we just allow the Holy Spirit, with, with eyes closed in this place, to just come and speak to us. Holy Spirit, I just pray that you'd come and highlight any relationships that we need to restore. Father, even things that we might not have been aware of, would you just place people on our hearts? Friendships, God. We just pray for great friendships, really great companions for the journey, Father. Lord, we pray for great dating in this place. We pray for great engagement seasons, temporary engagement seasons that are full of anticipation, excitement, Father. God, we pray for great marriages, Father. Would you even help us and, and highlight how we need to work in our marriages? Maybe there's one or two of those things that we need to bring back into our marriage or bring into our marriage for the first time. Holy Spirit, would you speak to your people? God, we just pray for great, um, for great uh, parents in this place, great parents full of energy, <laughs> full of patience. Thank you, Jesus. God, we just pray for post-marriage in this place. 
people that, that the, the season of marriage has, has uh, you know, come and gone. And Lord, I just pray that people that are in that season would just have a, a fresh fuel by your Holy Spirit to carry that season out with great godliness and that they will reap the fruit of it in Jesus' name. God, I'd just love to, to speak out a blessing over you. Speak out a blessing. You know, there's many curses, many, many negative things that are spoken over us. I'd just love to pray out a blessing. Come on, let's pray. Father, I just pray that there would be a blessing over each of these people, in no, matter, no matter what season of relationship they're in, Father. No matter what season of relationship they're in, would you bless them? Would you bless their relationships, Jesus? Father, would you keep us from temptation? Father, would there not be a lack of self-control? Holy Spirit, would you fill us? Would we be led by your Spirit and not by the flesh? Thank you, Lord. Lord, I pray for a new believer to trust in you in the season that we're in, to view it as a gift. God, I pray for supernatural grace and forgiveness and, and repentance to restore relationships, Father. Restore broken relationships that maybe have no life in them, God. Father, would you come and restore what is broken like only you can. Thank you, God. I just pray a blessing over each relationship in this place. In Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to the Oceans Church podcast. For more information, visit oceans.church.